Hello and welcome to Nerd Girl Musings Podcast. My name is Jen and I'm so glad you're here. Today I have a special guest with me, a co-worker and friend, Rosita. Hi, Rosita. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> After, what, over a year, we finally have the opportunity to do this together. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> this is so exciting. We miss you, Bruce. We wish you were here. Oh, Bruce. <laughs> I'll write you a letter about it. (laughs) Rosita and Bruce had listened to one of my uh, podcasts on beaches and both sent me typewritten uh, notes. It was really quite sweet and it was very unexpected. So um, I'm happy to have Rosita on with me today. She is also a fellow adoptee, so I'm sure we're going to chat about that a little bit. Um, And we both work together, so we have a lot of things in common. But uh, yeah, so here we are. Here we are. Um, so let's see. I see some pictures here at your desk because I'm at Rosita's house. So yeah. um, are these you in these photos? They are. They sure are. Yeah. So these are pictures that were sent to my adoptive parents um, shortly after they met me. Because they were stationed in Japan at the time. And so they flew over to Korea to meet me. Um, And then uh, shortly afterwards, these pictures were sent to my adoptive mother through my agency. Um, And they were like, uh, the foster mother thought you would like to see these. They're very sweet. They're very cute. Yeah, they are. I... um, I did, you know, I always wondered about her, and I, when I did go back and ask my agency, I did say, you know, can I at least meet my foster mother, at, to which they said, we have no record of a foster mother, <laughs> which was like, but you guys sent pictures that they sent to you to send to my mom. Okay. Right. Yeah, it was so weird, and then... After that meeting, so a couple years later, um, I had already decided that I wasn't going back to my agency anymore because it was just like a brick wall. And I happened to go into a contact lens store, you know, those funky contact yeah. lenses. Well, I was like, I'm going to get some of those. So I was just trying to have fun while I was there. And my friend and I walked in and... I handed my credit card to the guy, and he goes, Rosita Gonzalez? And I was like, oh, God. You know, like I expect it here in the U.S. um, because people see Rosita Gonzalez, and then they see my face, and they're like, wait a minute. There was a disconnect, you know, but I didn't expect it there. Um, And I said, well... I'm an adoptee. I was adopted from... And he goes, oh, my brother was too. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah. He got separated from my parents at a train station. And I was like, and? And he goes, by the time they figured out what happened to him, he was in Belgium. He got adopted out to Belgium. And I was like, oh, my God, have you found him? And he goes, well, we've tried, and my mother's, you know, 70, and she really does want to see him again. Um, But the 
we've sent a letter and he doesn't want to talk to us. And I said, well, did he say that? He said, well, the agency. And I said, what agency? And lo and behold, it was the same agency that I'm from. Um, and I said, well, I wouldn't necessarily take that as him not wanting to talk to you. Right. I would want to talk to my, you know, original mother. So anyway, and he goes, oh, wow. So tell me a little bit about you. And so I showed him these pictures and I said, this is my foster mom, blah, de blah, de blah. And then he goes, that's not your foster mom. And I was like, what? He goes, that's your mom. And I was like, no, stop it. You right. know, like 50 something years, I thought she was my foster mother. Yeah. And then he was like, no, that's your mom. And I was like, no, she doesn't look like me. Does she look like me? And so then I started asking all these Koreans. I, knew. <laughs> I was like, does she look like me? And they were like, well, yeah, kind of. And I was like, because I think that's a hard concept for any adoptee, really, is the, I don't look like anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you more than than me, because I can blend in. But I used to get, when I'd be at the doctor's office with my mom, and, you know, medical history comes up, and my mom would always be like, oh, well, she's adopted. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor would say, oh, well, you guys look so much alike. And I'm like, no, I I don't look like her, but I didn't look like anybody else either. Right, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm a different size, height, yeah. hair color is different. Right. Um, but I think that's a concept a lot of us struggle with is right. genetic mirroring, I yeah. think is what it's yeah. called. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I have to say, even as a teenager, if I was looking in the mirror, I wasn't seeing what, like, you see. Yep. Right. Um, and I didn't think of myself in that way until somebody pointed it out. And of course it was pointed out a lot when I wasn't in my house. Right. Right. So, um, but I don't know if you can see here, but I took this picture of my daughter. Okay. And I didn't think anything about it. So I put it here, but do you? Yeah. Yeah. That's. I was blown away. So what we're looking at is there's a picture of Rosita with her mother then, her first mother, and a picture of her daughter next to that photo, and her daughter does look like her. It's, I know. Yeah, definitely. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Gives me goosebumps. I know. Well, and you know, so I was showing um, my therapist this one day, and I was like, just look at that. What do you what do you see? And he was like, "I'm afraid to answer." <laughs> <laughs> we, we could be here for a few more weeks with yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He was like, "Uh," and I was like, "Okay, I'm going to just tell you." Yeah. What I see, you know, and he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I do see that." And I was like, he was like, "Whew." <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like it's okay. So as people have probably heard by now, you have a little bit of an accent. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you grow up? So I grew up in a very tiny town in the Appalachian Mountains in the, the very, like, eastern part of Tennessee. So just about 15 minutes over the line with North Carolina in the mountains. 
um, maybe about 8,000 people. We did have more than one traffic light. <laughs> so I'm kind of excited about yep. that. Yeah. Yep. We had we had Big K and we had Roses. I don't know what Roses is, but... <laughs> it was, a, it was a, like a Walmart or a okay. Target back in the day. Okay. Right? So, you know, like we had two stores like that. So Fancy. that was a big deal. Um, yeah, but it, it, it was very small. Yeah. <laughs> and so my mom, I guess I should explain this to your listeners, but, um, so my last name is Gonzalez. I didn't take my husband's name. Um, and my first name is Rosita, which is actually Cosita in Puerto Rico. Um, my dad, my adoptive dad was Puerto Rican and my mom was, grew up in East Tennessee. And so we lived in East Tennessee, um, because my grandmother lived there and my dad wanted my mom to be able to be closer to her after he retired from the military. Well, that's nice. Mm -hmm. So you said military. So your dad was in the military and you moved around a lot. Yep. Yep. We moved around a whole lot. So... Um, we lived, so they adopted me when they were stationed in Japan in, uh, Yokohama. And then shortly after that, we moved to Georgia where my dad was stationed in Georgia for a little bit. And then he got pulled to go to Vietnam. And then me and my mother moved up to Tennessee so that my mom would have support while he was away. Um, so he was away, I want to say at least a year. Okay. Um, and then when he came back, we went to Kansas for several years and then we moved to Oklahoma and then he retired and we went back to Tennessee. So that was, Tennessee was like 1976. Okay. Yeah. So Tennessee's really home. Yeah. 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 And my dad would call us. Tenericans, because <laughs> we were Puerto Rican and we were Tennessean, so we were Tenericans. That's kind of cute, though. It is. Cute. I like that. Yeah. So, what does um, adopted mean to you? So, I struggle with the word adopted because I see the word adopted as a verb. Okay. And it's a verb that it is an action that was done to me. Um, so in order to kind of take back the narrative, I prefer to use the word adoptee because that's what I am. Okay. Right. And it doesn't necessarily say, hey, these people adopted this person. And it also makes me feel like a grown up. I think I am a grown up. <laughs> Yet, you know, I think a lot of times we're we're talked to as though we're still children. True. Yeah, that is true. Do you feel that? I do. Um, you know, I I see adopted as a transaction mm-hmm. because there was money in exchange. Um, and I think I've told you this before, but the I got uh, like three pieces of paper with my background mm-hmm. information, and I call it my used car paperwork because that's. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it feels like yeah. oh, here's, yeah. 
here's your car fix, your car fax report or whatever. Right, right. Um, and that's all that I've got. Right. Um, but I'm also now doing Ancestry DNA. I did that. Um, I just sent off for 23andMe because I'm trying to get information. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in a state that has a window where I'm not allowed to get my original birth certificate. So, oh, is this one? Yes. Uh, well, I'm from Michigan. Oh, so, so that's different. 1976, 77, and 78, yeah. they're sealed. You cannot get your original. All I can get is the redacted version. Interesting. And so it has my new name and my adoptive parents' names, and that's all that's on there. Yeah. Uh, but I at least have that. So you can't even get some of that information no, and I think one of the things is my adoption was done early on in international adoption, and it was odd in that my parents were in Japan, and they weren't in the U.S., so I wasn't a baby that was flown over, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and what that meant, though, is that my parents didn't have an address in the United States at the time. Even though there was an address, my grandmother's address was listed, Um, And so what that meant was there wouldn't be uh, an amended birth certificate for me. Okay. So I have no birth certificate whatsoever. Wow. I have no sheet of paper that said I was born. So how, how has that impacted you throughout your life? Well, as you can imagine, anytime you have to get any kind of um, government issued anything you have to have a birth certificate, right? So a passport or um, uh, any of those things, right? Right. And I can't, I don't have that. Um, And so what I have to do is I have my adoption papers and they're extremely delicate. There's like... um, Korean papers interleafed with the English translation. Um, and there's like a ribbon around them. Uh, and so I have to be very careful with that stuff because that's the only thing I have that lists my parents and me. But it doesn't list them as my, you know, original parents. Sure. It lists them as guardianship was turned over to them. Okay. So then that impacts, you know, like you said, that impacts everything and traveling and that's paperwork you have to try to protect for your whole life. Right. I can only imagine how difficult that is to make sure that that's always, I have a hard enough time with my social security card. So, (laughs) and that I laminated. I know. You're not supposed to do that. I I know. (laughs) I did too. But when my daughter lost, or was it my daughter or my son lost theirs, um, I went ahead and got another coffee because I was like, oh, I'll just get another coffee. It's okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So does it bother you when you have to go to the doctor's office and there's always that family history section? Does it bother you that you have to write like I'm adopted or no family history or what do you typically do? Well, it's interesting because one of our insurances and one of the doctors that we have had, so we've had three different 
insurance companies while we've lived here. And one of them um, actually had, are you adopted? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so if you ticked yes, you could go, you know, you can forget all the other stuff. Yep. Which I appreciated that one. Yet they had a really difficult time in trying to, like, so when they, on our, our, um, like, uh, what do you call it? Patient information or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we got the sheets for that with the kids too. And they were like, Caucasian, you know, it's like, hmm? (laughs) and then it said Hispanic. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, and I think sometimes that, you know, if you haven't specifically put something down and they're trying to pinpoint you, um, with me, it's often my name, right? Okay. That, that is the, the, the hint, if you will, because if you haven't seen me in person, right, you're going by the name. Right. Right. So that's another thing that's so incongruous with me. And so it's so hard to, to navigate sometimes. Sure. Because I'm not the person that they thought they were talking to or the person that they had been sending emails to. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes that can get a little tricky. Yep. I can understand that. Um, is it hard for your kids at all? Because you have children. I, I don't have kids, so I don't have to worry about my lack of knowledge to my genetics right. ever really coming up for me other than having to take expensive tests to yeah. prove I don't or do have right. something. Right. But does it impact your kids at all? Um, I, you know, they know things about their father's side. Um, but yes, I mean, it's the same thing. They get frustrated when they're asked about their mother's medical history. Cause all they've got is whatever I've experienced. Yep. Right. Um, yeah, they don't have any of that. I'll tell you something that's interesting. So I went to my primary care physician and I said, is there any way I can get the, like, health DNA um, profile done? And he said, well, they don't, we don't really do that unless you have family history. That in- and I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like a catch-22. That's why I want it. Right. Right? It's because I, and then he, he said, well, I know some people use 23. And I was like, Oh, I've done 23 in me. And the thing is, is they're not um, a medical right. entity. Yep. And so what they produce really, I think, has only to do with whatever their sample is, right? Yep. So they can't say... It's not a definitive. Mm. I can't go to my doctor and say, but 23 in me tells me I don't like cilantro. <laughs> you know? and 23 in me says... <laughs> That when I eat asparagus. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the questions it I ask. so, I was like, really? Because <laughs> um, I, I went to a doctor last week and um, I was diagnosed with a, a type of arthritis uh-huh. that is a genetic. Uh-huh. It's proven with a blood test when you don't have family history to help support. And so I had to go have a ridiculously expensive blood test 
to say yes or no. And I still have to do like some MRIs and stuff for it. But I was like, you know, that's just frustrating to me that I can't get any of that. And I can't get my first family to give me any of that. And that really grates me. So you had uh, recommended for me to watch a couple of pretty um, difficult movies to watch. Intense. And I decided to watch them both on the same day. I don't know why you did that. (laughs) I don't know either. Um, And so it was Lion and... um, Closure. Yes. Yeah. And I actually bought Closure. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it was really well done. And um, I just thought it, it... I like it when it's not necessarily a big production type of thing. You know, I like the real story. Yeah. Because one thing I've found uh, on Instagram of all places, but I found the adoption community of people, and it's it's been amazing to me. Um, and how all these things that I thought I was feeling or going through all by myself suddenly was reflected in dozens and dozens of people. And... It's amazing to me that all of us can go through these same experiences, but yet be so different Mm -hmm. and for different reasons. Um, But how how do you react when someone asks you, uh, you know, like if somebody, if they can't have children and I think I want to adopt a child, does that bother you? Um, It's interesting because I had a neighbor once Um, And she knew all about kind of my activism at the time. Um, And so I I will say, you know, it is like 2013 was when I started realizing there were other adoptees out there. And the thing is, is that, you know, it's, it's interesting because if you don't, put it on your radar, you don't see it. You don't know they're out there. Um, And so it's so incredible when you do, just like you said, um, realize that there are other people out there. And I think the most interesting thing for me is I can be with a group of adoptees for the first time, and it's so... um, You don't have to explain yourself. In any way, you can just say something off the cuff and everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yep. like it's so nice to not have to explain yourself. Yeah. Um, but because I was doing all this activism at the time and I was also kind of in negotiations with my adoption agency and it was really sticky and hairy and not really going anywhere, um, my neighbor... They had been trying to have a baby for a long time, right? And one day she was like, can we have a couple, can we have a glass of wine together? I was like, oh yeah, sure, absolutely. And she came over, you know, and she said, you know, I think we would like to adopt, but before I did that, I wanted to talk to you. And I just, I felt it was, it, I just couldn't believe, you know, like, 
that anyone would want to ask. Mm -hmm. And to me, just the bravery in putting herself out there, um, I, I was, I was blown away. And I said, you know, it's, I'm not against adoption. I had a great, I have a great life. You know, I am very sad that my parents were older and they're now gone, you know, and now I kind of feel really alone except for my tiny little family that I've built Mm -hmm. and made, you know, and I said, but I, I can't say that adoption is bad. Right. I said, I think the, the important thing to know when you go into it is that there's somebody else involved. And it's just like when people get divorced and remarried and there's stepchildren and there's this and that and we have all these names for half-brothers and stepchildren and this and that. And, and yet, why can't we have two sets of parents? Yep. Why does that have to be a bad thing? Because it's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. you know? And honestly, now that I don't have my adoptive parents, it would be really nice to know I had other parents too. Sure. You know? Um, and and so for her, I was just like, you know, just making sure that your child, if you're okay with it, but making sure that they have that connection with that other set of parents because as much as you might try to fill that void when someone turns into a teenager and they are looking to identify themselves it comes into play loud and clear and probably even more so for kids that come transracial adoption When you have your stereotypical white family Mm -hmm. that adopts a child from outside of the race, country, you know, we can go all the way. And I think it's important that you recognize those differences and that you can help that, that kid. I mean, you have a very different set of experiences about that than I would have. And I wouldn't know how to connect to your heritage. So right. you'd have to have resources or support already right. in place, right? I think, right? Yeah, and that you know, like, and and I did also say, I said, you know, I feel like people adopt transnationally because they think the distance will keep that from happening, and it's so far from the truth. Yep. Right. Um, just because there's distance, that doesn't mean you don't have a physical connection. Definitely. You know, like it, and you may not recognize it at first, you know, when you're little and stuff, because your realm is those adults that are around you. Um, but again, like I said, when you start get striking out on your own, trying to be older and more responsible and trying to figure out who you are well you know that's when it comes back yep and I think it's and I know you hate the term um when (laughs) 
And you know what I'm going to say. Only because people used to say that about me. And I thought, well, that's not a very nice thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I was just so like, I am not. (laughs) I remember, so growing up, um, my best friends, we all stayed at a campground. um, And we were all Jennifer's. Because it was the 70s and 80s and everybody everybody was Jennifer Lynn. And so our parents couldn't decide because you yelled Jennifer, Jenny, Jen, whatever. And all of us are like, what? Um, (laughs) So they would start, they would start calling us by the bikes that we were on, by the shirts that we were wearing. So they'd be like, Jenny Yellow. And you'd look down and be like, oh, that's me. You know, Um, but my one friend, Jenny, she was uh, an adoptee. And I, I remember as a kid my dad would make comments like, oh, well, you're French Canadian. Uh, no. What would he say? Oh, you're, you're African American. And she would put her hands on her hips and she'd be like, I'm French Canadian. She was really like oh, proud of being French yeah. Canadian. Yeah. She had no idea what that meant at the right, time because yeah. we were like five. Yeah. But I, I distinctly remember that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And she, she uh, grew up never caring about finding any of her biological family and, you know, and that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was really close with her adoptive parents and, um, you know, unlike myself who I grew up 30 minutes away from my biological family. Wow. And so all those times as a kid, when I would walk through the store, I would look at everybody and I'd be like, Oh, they have my hair color or they're my height. Or they have legs like mine. I wonder if we're related. Right. They could have been. Yeah. That's kind of weird crazy. to think about. Yeah. And I think that's one thing, because I have another friend who is a domestic adoptee, you know, um, white person adopted by white parents. And um, we were having a conversation, and she was just saying something like, you know, sometimes... I just wonder if the people that are surrounding me, if I might be related to them. And I, and you know, for me, that was never a thought. Sure. And I remember it blew me away. I was like, oh yeah, that must be crazy. Like, cause if you're wanting to pick a partner or you're wanting to, I was like, I'm so blown away. Well, and there's some really weird statistic out there about that, actually. (gasps) How how many people that are related because you're drawn to them and you don't realize. You don't know why. Until later down the road, somebody has some kind of a test or something and then you find out, oh, hey, guess what, brother, you know, or cousin or something. Yeah, there's there is some statistic out there on that. I remember reading that once. That's that's creepy. That's so, uh, <laughs> right. That's awful. <laughs> well, you know that. Then again, I come from an area where, like, if you were third cousins, nobody had any qualms about marrying each other. <laughs> Seriously. And see, and here it's like, oh no, you know. But it's culture. Yeah, you it know, is, it's, it's definitely culture. Absolutely. Yeah. So I always get. I don't want to say jealous because I'm not necessarily jealous, but I'm intrigued how. Every time you talk about Korea, I mean, your face lights up. You can tell how much 
going back there means to you, how much you just connect with everything about it. And so in a way, maybe I am jealous because I don't have a connection to a place. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. And I always feel like I'm kind of rootless. Yeah. You know, which I'm sure you you also feel, but I know that when you go to home, truly home is in Korea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I've talked about it before. Um, and you know, like my tattoos and everything have to do with those shallow roots, like you're yep. talking about. Um, and then once I lost my dad, he was the last one to die of my parents. Um, it really, you know, cause then I was like, well, I am alone. You know, I don't have parents. And I've found that when I go back to Korea, I see that as me coming home, just like you say, um, and that the country itself is my parent, mm -hmm. right? And so when I go, I have the food. I, um, oh gosh. Spend two weeks in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> but at least we all got to be there with you. you oh, know, my so God. <laughs> I, day 11, I thought I was going to lose my freaking mind. <laughs> Well, you know, when you get two um, boiled eggs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it's like, okay, oh. I'm done. Oh. I got enough eggs. I know I ask for eggs, but this is getting a little out of hand. But, yeah, so, you know, it's interesting because when I first went back, I was so scared I was going to hate it. Because you I, wanted to have that? connection or yes I okay. wanted to have the connection but I knew that I was you know I'm American right you know and what if I go over there and it stinks or what if I go over there and you know like I don't like any of the food and the food doesn't like me you know like yep. there were all these fears I had and what's interesting is I got there and once I got through the airport and we were on the streets of Seoul, I felt like my body knew it had been there, right? So the smells didn't smell odd. Um, the food wasn't odd. If anything, the food made me feel better. Wow. Yeah, and it was extremely powerful. And so now when I go back, knowing that, you know, I probably will never find my original family unless they come looking for me. Sure. Um, and I know that I will never get anything from my agency. They're just not going to yep. allow that. Um, so for me, I have to find other ways in which to kind of heal that part of myself. And just being there is that. You know, and that's why I think you see me like light up when I'm talking about it or, um, and what's really crazy is during the pandemic, um, in the beginning I was, I was so afraid I was going to die here in the United States and I want so much that if I'm going to die, I'm going to die back in the place where it all began. Okay. And my kids know that too. As a matter of fact, my son's like. Because as an adoptee, I don't have rights yet to be a citizen or to even be buried there. Wow. Right. And so I was like, 
I'll take you in a baggie. <laughs> That's love right there. He was like, I'll take you in a baggie and then I'll I'll just drop you all over the streets. <laughs> just kind of like, uh, what is that, Shawshank Redemption when he's in his pant leg like, and yeah, he's just shaking, shaking his it. leg. And I was like, okay, that would be good. Well, we're getting somewhere. <laughs> but I was so fearful, you know, of... COVID and, you know, and I'm older than most people. And I was just like, I can't get COVID. I can't die here. I have to survive. And so for the first like month, I was terrified. Um, and then I happened to see this group of boys on um, the Tonight Show in Grand Central Station. I was like, you know, and it was, it was BTS. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I didn't know who they, you know, because that wasn't on my radar. Right. You know. The age is a little bit different for who their target audience right, is. Right, right, right. And so, and you know, like I, I, I didn't listen to K-pop or any of that stuff because my daughter did that. And, you know, like it wasn't my thing. And, um, and then I started watching them and they have this show called Run BTS. Okay. It's like a variety show. And if you haven't seen any Korean variety shows, they are so over the top. They are. I've seen, I've seen some of them. They are, (laughs) some of the stuff they do. Silliest games. And, and so they do that amongst themselves sometimes. Okay. Um, and it's a show that they've been doing for a while. So I started watching that, and it is hysterical. And the thing is, is these boys, like, you would never know that they were superstars. Mm-hmm. Because they don't act like that. Like, they will fight, right, over a $500 gift card. Okay. It's like, dudes. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah. they, but they will compete for that gift card okay or a package of um beef (laughs) you know like it's just the funniest thing so i started watching them during the pandemic and i i know my husband was like should i be worried (laughs) (laughs) and i was like no you know and one of them reminds me of our son but i said you know I just think, what would it have been like if when I was a teenager, I could have seen people like me? Right. You know? And I think for me, I was watching a few K-dramas and that, and I just wanted to surround myself with people that look like me. And obviously, I can't do that here. Yeah. But I can do that in my little room with my iPad (laughs) and YouTube. Yep. Yep. Or Netflix. You know, and so that became kind of my world during the pandemic. Okay. Yeah. But I get a lot of comfort, like, actually seeing people and thinking, oh, well, I have a feature like that, or I used to be ashamed that I had that feature, or, you know? Yep. Yeah. But seeing someone that you can identify with, and I think anybody, is, so I think that's what people talk about when we're talking about shows and movies representation. Yeah. You know, absolutely. and all different 
flavors of people right. and you know every everybody needs a spot at the table essentially exactly yeah. um so i had a thought okay <laughs> and i'm trying to remember what it was that's okay you're having a senior moment <laughs> like i do all the time <laughs> um oh so i know what I, instagram so oh, yeah do you ever post anything about being an adoptee on like social media, because not necessarily Instagram, but like social media in general. Do you ever share how you feel? I do. So I have a Twitter account, and that one primarily is where, well, you know how we talk about we have the ego and the id and all of those things? It's been a while since I've heard that, but yes. Yes. Okay, so um, my id is Twitter. Okay. And Twitter is where you will hear me say things about it, about okay. my adoption or about how I feel about it or how angry I might get about something. Um, and then I had Facebook. I don't use it anymore. I don't and I know too many people that it's do. It's kind of gone out of my life because I just needed that yep. to go away. Yep. It was not healthy. Um, and then Instagram... You know, I think Instagram is kind of my ego, like the fun part of me. Okay. Like I like to, you know, and so I do sometimes post things that are a little more in depth, but not necessarily um, emotion filled. Okay. Right. So, um, so yeah, so I do Instagram and I do, um, Twitter and I play with, uh, TikTok, but it's usually just cat videos. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best part about TikTok. I found TikTok during quarantine and it was like, that was the best thing that ever happened during COVID. Right. I'm like, that saved me during COVID. It was, yeah, yeah, crazy stuff. Oh, I love, I love that. So I... I also don't use much Facebook anymore. I I have Facebook, but I don't ever. I think it's been like I'll post for Father's Day and my dad's birthday, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, but I I use Twitter, but not very much. And Instagram, I'm pretty active on Instagram, but I actually have a separate page that I use oh, as an adoptee. Ah, oh, gotcha. Mainly because I don't feel that I can share how I truly feel with oh, wow. people that know me right. or our family right? Uh, because I have a lot of family right. and out of respect for my parents right? Uh, because I think they would be upset slash hurt yeah. if they knew some of the feelings, I think. Well, I think I have the luxury, you know, of right. not having my parents around. And I will say, you know, anytime that I would post something on Facebook about how I was feeling about my adoption, um, and I did post a lot of stuff back in the day. Um, and I even had, so my blog mm-hmm. had a Facebook page as well as I had a personal Facebook page. And my I, I love my Puerto Rican family. If I were going to live anywhere, you know, if I couldn't live in Korea or I couldn't live in a big city that had a Korean community, um, I would live in Puerto Rico. Okay. Because that side of my family is fantastic. Um, 
And, but every time I would post something, you know, they would read it and it takes them because they, that is not their first language. Sure. Um, and they would always write me, you know how much we love you. And I was like, I know this isn't really, you know, please don't take this as, as being Because you have to explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Negative towards you. It's just how I'm feeling right now. And they are very understanding about that, you know. Um, And I think some people in my Tennessee family are. um, But, you know, my mom and her parents are gone. Both of her brothers are gone. Um, I have a cousin that I can keep in touch with. And she's great, you know, like, um, <laughs> I would put it like, you know, in her family, she was kind of the black sheep. Sure. So yep. we, we connect really well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think for the most part, and, you know, many of them are hurt that I haven't been back to Tennessee since my dad died. And since my dad's not there, I don't have a reason. Right. You know, and I know they're there and I love them, but I can FaceTime them. Sure. They can come see me if they want, um, but I'm not going to put myself back there. Did I tell you that I was supposed to go to Tennessee? No. Yeah. Where? So apparently, uh, as the story has been told to me, one of my... Let's see, I got to think of who it was. It would have been my biological father's cousin. So like a second cousin or whatever. She had agreed to take me and raise me in Tennessee. And she... sound like me. (laughs) Right? Can you imagine? (laughs) Um, And... I've talked with her, with Pat, and she um, she was like, you know, we were ready to take you, and we were going to raise you, and then all of a sudden, poof, you were gone. Oh, wow. And so I get angry sometimes thinking about I could have stayed with family. Right, yeah. You know? Well, and that, I would think, for most people, is the best way in which to do, is familial. Yep. Adoption and it makes so much sense. Yep. Um, and uh, open adoptions, I think, as well. Yeah. Because then you can retain that connection, like you were talking about. We have so many different. I have stepbrothers, half brothers, full brothers. You know, I've got a check, check, check. You know, so <laughs> I got them all. It doesn't. It, it doesn't matter. You know, you can right. still love and have people in your life. Right. So. Right. Right. And you know, you're also saying that. Like, for an adoptee, if there's another sibling, that's your sibling. Yeah. Your full sibling. Don't question it, even though you don't look alike. Yep. You know? And and so there's that aspect, too. Yeah. You know? It's just... Well, and I have two full siblings, like, biological siblings. And I don't quite... I'm still trying to figure out how to be a sibling. Because I don't know what that's like. I grew up as an only child. Wow. So I, I've met one of my brothers. Yeah. And the other brother I have not met. And so I don't know how to be a, a sister necessarily. Wow. 
So, well, I think this makes a record because this is like an hour ish. <laughs> And this will be my longest podcast I'm a blabber ever. mouth. Maybe you should do it in two parts. Well, maybe either two parts or one really long one. And we'll just do another one later. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you, Rosita. And uh, thank you all for listening for this very long episode. But it's been fun. Thanks. Take care and be well.